Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! It's the Dicky Dicky Doc, y'all! Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm Richard, hello. With me to discuss this week's film is Abby. Hello. And Anthony. Hello. Gosh. Uh, and we've formed a, apparently a very jolly posse. And we are going to listen as we corral around the OK film doc. Um, yeah, that's enough fiddling around. Um, yeah, Abby, you picked this week's film, did you not? I did. And just to clear it up, because endless... It's quite a difficult Google is the film doc. In, I don't know if it's meant to be said in quotation marks, doc. But... Yeah, it's not any of the dwarves, and it's not Doctor Who, and it's not you know any other thing called Doc, but it is the nineteen what is it? Seventy one. The nineteen seventy one movie. Go on, carry you carry on. As I said, Doc is from nineteen seventy one. It is about Doc Holliday, the cold blooded sharpshooter who reunites with his old friend Marshall Wyatt Earp to take down the Clanton gang in the dusty town of Tombstone in Arizona. It was directed by Frank Perry, written by Pete Hamill, stars Stacey Keach, Faye Dunaway, Harris Yulin, Michael Whitney, and Denver John Collins. Yeah. And what reason did you select this film for us to have a little look at and chat about? They take an alternate tack on the mythology that surrounds Doc Holliday and the Earps. The Earps. It is a funny name to call them the Earps, isn't it? <laughs> the, the, here come the Earps. <laughs> Bloody derpy Earps. <laughs> Traditionally, they're portrayed as fairly heroic. But this takes a different tack where they're actually kind of douchebags. Which is probably more realistic based on the actual history of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. They were probably chances and Sort of skirted the line. I mean, they were both. They had careers that spanned many different jobs in many different areas, and they were on both sides of the law. They were sometimes wanted, or at least one or two of them. So I think they were marshals and stuff, but also mm. like you know, criminals occasionally, and probably in it for themselves. They probably weren't the Wild West heroes and legends that they get portrayed in, uh, you know, novels and comics and. And then later on, films usually, isn't it? So it's probably fairer to be portraying them more dirty and weasley, right? I think that's what drew me to it, where I was like, oh, we're probably going to get a more sort of... I hoped that we would get a more grounded and rounded representation of Doc and his friends. And his friends. Um, Doc and the gang. Um... So you hadn't seen this before. This wasn't like I saw this. You guys got to check this out. It was a speculative thing. Heard about it, like the premise. Then Stacy Keach was it, was in it, which is a bonus. And you know, I thought I'd get Jamie with that, but it didn't pan out that way. Oh, I think he did watch it, but uh, he sort of slightly glazed over and then couldn't end up doing the record today. But uh, it's because there's no extra disconnection. Do you think that's all it would have taken? <laughs> oh, there must be somewhere. <laughs> there usually is. The fact that the writer's called Pete Hamill makes me think, mm, probably there's something 
there'll be a roundabout way because if you can get to Mark Hamill, you can get to anything. <laughs> but um, so the film Doc. I mean, I was in as soon as you said 1970s western. Yes, please. Not you know, 60s is the best era for westerns. But I love all the 70s. I don't know. There's something about the, how awful the times were <laughs> that meant the films were just excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, westerns are my cup of tea. The 70s are a good era for cinema. You're familiar with other films about Wyatt Earp, are you? Like, I think Tombstone's one of the big Hollywood Hollywood ones back from, the, what's that, the 90s, Tombstone? Yes, I think like so. Val Kilmer's doc in that one, isn't he? Mm. No, yeah, yes he is. Uh, he does, that's a very good portrayal of Doc Holliday. Yes. Again, I have no idea if it's particularly accurate. Like, I have no idea if this is especially accurate. But it's a good, it's a good go. Sickly but heroic, um, and the right hand man of Wyatt Earp. But I think I think Tombstone and what what's the one with all the Carradines in? Is that the same thing? Where they're all no, that's the white the Carradines are all the Earps in something, right? What's that one? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this isn't a huge comparison thing we're going to do here. We're going to talk mainly about Doc, unless you guys have anything to throw in about other particular versions. I'm just trying to get it right in my head that you know the types of versions of this OK Corral shootout that gets uh, retold endlessly. Well, for me, that was pretty much the only thing that I know related to like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday is that they had a shootout with some people at a corral. Did you, did you like me, realise that the OK Corral was presumably someone's initials, not just uh, like a rating on uh, Google reviews? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. There was a shoot, a bit of blood everywhere, but they kept my horses all right. <laughs> Three stars. So you do, had you, had I don't you... think the Caradines were... I think you're just thinking of the Long Riders, where they were some brothers. Oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, half memories, eh? Banty, you hadn't seen another filmic version of Wyatt Earp, or had you seen Tombstone with what was it Kurt Russell? Was he the Wyatt Earp in that? Yeah, I had, I have, I have seen um, Tombstone a long time ago, and I don't remember much about it. I remember people getting shot and well, that's Western gambling. Fear. Yeah, that's about, that's about it. I mean, I've just summed up pretty much every Western ever. And this one, um, yes. Um, but yeah, like coming into it, like that's the only thing I knew was like at some point there was going to be a shootout. Um, and because of that, I like, like I knew the film was a little more gritty than most other westerns that um that you know, that, that exist uh but i still expected that to be like kind of like a centerpiece of the film well like to mm. really make a go of how debauched they might have been is that what you mean or what you expected sorry you expected the okay corral shootout to be the centerpiece yes ah i see Rather than the grittiness, right? Whereas, no, it's the grittiness that is the thing with this. Yes. Um, yeah, because after all, I think the actual shootout, though incredibly famous because it was reported on and written about, and I think a lot of people 
uh, made a lot of money off of bigging up these legendary figures of the West, like you know Bill Hickok, Jesse James. The people wrote about these, so they also would tall, tell tall tales. And there's a lot of lucrative money in cowboy stories and bank robbers and sheriffs and shit. So anyone with a pen would try and smash a book out and or interview these people, and then who can trust the sources? You know these people living out their lives trying to be famous. So. Yeah, it's the it's essentially like the American mythology. Yeah, it's the it's the print, print the myth and live off of it. And I mean, I mean, there must be endless stunt shows where they recreate this shootout. But the, I think the original one was reported to last thirty seconds, which still sounds short. It's probably quite a long time for people to be firing guns at each other. You know, in terms mm. of it's usually like pow pow, one of you's dead. <laughs> or both of you, whatever. Like, but thirty seconds of oh fuck shit, bang bang. You know, it's a long time if you're waiting for people <laughs> to stop shooting, I guess. Um, but the you know history books reflect that uh, White Earp, Doc Holiday are the victors in this scenario. I think one of the Earps died or something. Is it one of the brothers? I don't know. He was in this film. I can't, can't remember. Virgil. Oh, Virgil. It's either Virgil or Morgan. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's a famous story in terms of these old Wild West uh, tales. And a bit like you, Anthony, I don't know the ins and outs of it all. I don't care enough to know the accurate Mm. details of everything or vice versa. So, yeah, there's probably been countless stunt shows and reenactments of this thing. Um, But I think it was worth taking a a go at doing a, a more negative portrayal. Of them, a more sort of suggesting their, you know, how do, how do it kind of portrays them not fully as criminals or antiheroes, but not heroic. They are in it for themselves. They are. There's an element of it that suggests why Earp is a man, literally just trying to milk Tombstone for his own profit and control it how he wants, and come across like the big big political figure, you know? Uh, and that Doc is just a sort of man looking for either to leave, what would you say, like a, a legacy behind, or he's not really sure because he's dying. He's the terminally ill character. Uh, and I think in every iteration of the tale, he's, he's known to have tuberculosis. Uh, and I think he had it for a good while. So it was all, it's always never, he's, you know, it's always part of his story. But it's, because it's, he died so young, you can't even really do the bit before he had tuberculosis. Well, when he was just a dentist. <laughs> uh, it's that thing in the West, isn't it, where it's like, dentist is just, you own the right sharp tools. <laughs> but I, I don't no, know. he went to school for it. At least for a bit, right? He was a dentist, legit. That's why they called him Doc, rather than, I guess they could have called him Dent Holiday. But yeah, John Holiday, that's his name, right? It's a fun name. No. Sure. What? John Holiday is that not his name? Yes. It's because you said something about Dent, and I was confused. The dentist, Doctor Holiday. Oh. Well, Denty. 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 I mean, you can't abbreviate dentist, can you? Tooth Holiday. Smile. <laughs> smile. Here he comes. Uh. Anyway, fuck. <laughs> Already sidetracked. But anyway, in this, this is the oh, what if they were pricks version, which is, <laughs> which is probably true. They probably were pricks. 
Um, yeah, so I mean, Stacey Keach as Doc. I think we get when I put it on, I was like, Christ, is this is this the actual footage? It's so dark. It's like this yeah. man in the darkness in the wind of a like a desert storm at night or something. And you're like, I can't even see this film. Why? Why would you open with like the blackest, most difficult to understand entrance ever? What do you guys make of him just riding around in the dark? It was a weird one because even throughout the film, there's not much um, music, and when it is, it's usually being played on screen by like a mariachi band or mm. something. Hmm. So it was quite it was quite striking the, the opening where it's, it's just like the sound of the wind and like the the dark figure of doc on his horse moving through the desert in a town with no name because it's such a shithole. I think she said the uh prostitute in the bar he goes into says it's like she says uh that she needs a lift out of the arse end of she says this place is the arse end of the west and it's not even worthy of a name like that's how shit this location is that we don't even see really but uh it's kind of a comical opening i would say generally i mean it's it's awful and misogynistic and terrible but it's definitely played for laughs like the first gag is sort of i I thought it was quite good it was like the the, there's like a mexican i don't know if he's a mexican bartender or whatever and he looks very disinterested in this like dive saloon, <laughs> and he's and then Doc Holiday comes out of the dust and he's looking like a, you know, he's in like a black suit and he's got his he got his mustache and he's all covered in dust and dirt and he's looking dry and miserable as you would, and he comes in and just orders or tries to order whiskey and he's like, we got no whiskey, I'll have a cold beer. We got no cold beer. <laughs> what are they drinking? Warm beer. I'll have a warm beer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he also, he, he also as he goes on, he tries to order more things like cards. We ain't got no cards. <laughs> That's fine. I've got fucking cards. And then have some hot water. We ain't got no hot water. Well, light a fucking fire <laughs> and warm some water, water up, cunt. I'm gonna. I literally says I, I gotta wash this bitch. <laughs> so it's funny and it sets the stallers. Oh, this doc guy's a bit of a prick, isn't he? <laughs> But, but it should also be said that everyone is a prick in this. That's true. I mean, maybe the original sheriff of Tombstone is doing... They imply that he's doing his job properly, and therefore he's poor. And I, <laughs> I think maybe the journalist in it, at least, is suggesting he knows how things work, and that he... I don't know, There's no you don't really get a moral sense of the journalist. He's just talking to people, so... Everyone else, yeah, pretty much a dickhead. <laughs> but I did like that it goes right. So he's dirty. He's coming out out of the dusty storm, and the first thing he does after you know ordering some warm beer is see a couple of dudes at a table, and they're with a woman. It could be any situation. The assumption is it's a prostitute, but uh, she's looking happy and fine. They're all sort of there. And he wants to know the direction to how long it would take to Tombstone or something. And they're like, oh, well, maybe a prick like you would take a long time, but normal people, or me, a quick person, could get there in like a day or two. And then he's like, so, do you like gambling? Do you want to bet your woman with me? 
Like he literally plays cards for the woman on the guy's arm and like bets his horse without consulting uh what's her name? I guess the prostitute's name is uh Kate, right? And that's played by Dunaway, right? Yes. Yes. So Abby, as as the lady, I think we should ask Anthony what he thinks of your opinion. <laughs> no, um, what, what did you make of this? Like, I'll bet your woman business. Well, on the surface of it, obviously, I'm not okay with it. But then there are. <laughs> so, I'm glad. I'm glad you clarified. You're not for just gambling people's lives away. On the other hand, she did need a lift to the next town and she did seem to prefer him to the other guy. Well, he had a suit and probably some more... I mean, he's a prick, though. He's he's not consulting you on this and neither of them really consider whether she has an opinion on matters. This guy's reluctant to bet because he's like, I don't fucking know this guy. And What's all this? I'm happy with my... the love of my life slash this prostitute. Uh, this is a fine scenario. Why would I suddenly bet with a stranger just to gain a horse? Uh, this is a bit like, what? What is this scenario? So, it, there's some reluctance, but she's like, oh. She's kind of okay with it. A little bit. This this whole scene did feel like the most westerny scene in the film, I feel. The most cliched, kind of, almost yeah. spaghetti western-esque, isn't it? The kind of... Mm the dirt and the bastards you know and women are just objects and things card games jokes you know in a good way I think like it's awful but it's like it's sort of okay we're going despicable early are we and I don't really understand being a like so he was a professional gambler or whatever so that just means you know you gamble a lot and you try and win and you keep you know you want to try and get your odds you know you know how to gamble in a smart way if you're any good, right? But you can't make your luck unless you're a cheat. But how do you... Like, they have, like, a very quick game of some kind of... Uh, I don't know what version of, of poker it is. Is it poker? It's just a kind of hand of cards each, right? Card stud. Yes. Ah, there we go. And so, they, you know, Doc, with his own cards, deals out a hand each to them, and they flip over one of the blind cards or whatever and see who wins. It's literally just who's got the best hand. And then it's like, ah, dickhead, I got a pair of twos, <laughs> you know. Uh, but sorry, I got a pair of tens. I, I fucking have a new woman. Bad luck. And then he quick draws on him, doesn't he? Like basically, the guy is pissed off. This what's his name, Ike, right? Yes, Ike. There's Ike, and his his uh, friend who's with him without the girl is a younger chap called the kid. And I think he's also called Billy, right? Billy, the kid. Yeah, he's Billy the kid. Yeah. That's not, but like Billy the Kid, is an actual Western character who was that not that Billy the Kid wasn't like was killed by Pat Garrett, right? Yes, it's not Billy the Kid, but he was called the Kid and Billy, so he was Billy the, the Kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good job. I mean, I don't know if there was a kid called William at the shootout, but this is a needless. Uh, Confusing, confusing element naming your character <laughs> the same as a different famous character. But anyway, like uh, as it shakes out, uh, Ike gets pissed off, 
rightly, he, I mean, it's pretty dumb of him to do this sort of bet. He could have just said, nah, let's just play a game of cards for money. I think he does, I think he'd rather play money, but um, it he tries to draw his gun, but uh, Doc has basically got a small gun hidden in his inside pocket and he gets it out quickly, anticipating him drawing on him. And basically pulls a gun on the kid as well, just to make sure they don't kick off. So he sets his, he basically sets himself up as, yeah, oh, I fucking, I'm a cool dude. Don't fuck with me. I'm like, you know, don't, I'm, I've, I got your guy's number. See you later. He kicks him out of the bar essentially, and then roughly takes uh done away to bed and it like bites her lip and shit. <laughs> and then she's like, no, I'm into this. Like she's almost being raped, and then she's like, actually. Quite like it, rough as it turns out. <laughs> it was quite something. And he didn't. He asked for that hot water, right? He asked for hot water they they didn't have, and then he says to warm it up. And then it, he's like, he instantly is like giving this rough foreplay and fucks her before she's been washed. So I don't know why he's been so choosy. If he can't wait, can't keep it in his pants for long, you know. I guess well. They probably just gave up on that guy actually giving them any water. It did seem rather incompetent. I mean, what kind of saloon is it where you don't even have whiskey? Come on. I mean, he was in the arse and elbow of nowhere or whatever. But like, uh, Dunaway being this uh, prostitute character who's out in the middle of nowhere, so she needs a lift. That's her main motivation for hooking up with men is because she wants to get out of there and she doesn't have a horse or whatever and you know, it's just it's fucking difficult. So she's obviously wants to be with whoever can provide a lift, and she's a prostitute, so that's the way it's going to go down. But the mm. fact that she likes it rough, and you know, she's not <laughs> normally someone would get raped, it'd be terrible. <laughs> but she doesn't get raped because she's like, oh yeah, I'll fucking see your rough hoes in and, and uh, enjoy it. How did you feel about that, Abby? Is this, uh, you know, a feminist nightmare or? Well, it may be of the people she has probably had to prostitute for in in her career as a whore. Um, as a as a working girl, probably one of the best looking, most affluent. So she, she may actually, you know, if you grade on a curve, <laughs> he's probably one of the more enjoyable ones. Plus, uh, it's just that statement of yeah, everyone women prefer a winner, kind of a. Just sad, <laughs> just sad state of affairs. But I think as the film goes on, it tries to justify them as this isn't just Doc as a bit of a prick here. They are both dark, dirty characters. They are happy with their, I don't know, their sins or their the 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 lifestyle they live. They're happy in it, and they they suit each other. That's the sort of story that gets built over time here. We don't know at the start where it's going. It's just sort of harrowing and awful. And then, oh, you know, but you know, they try and suggest them as the that they're well suited as being dark characters, you know. Oh yeah, they definitely suit each other in that way. There's a lot of chemistry between them. I think it worked. The one thing I liked about this film that for, that that stood out was I liked that. Okay, we're matching Doc's, you know, dirty, dark, anti-hero vibes with a cocksure. <laughs> No pun intended. With a cocksure prostitute who's 
quite fucking happy in her position and likes her life. She's not like, oh, I'm woe is me, I'm a prostitute, if only I could get out of this. She's like, no, I like fucking guys and I like fucking them for money and uh, let's do this. I like, you know, the attention and I, it's what I do. I'm, a, you know, my job, I'm, I'm okay with it. And I, I like that they take each other as they are. It's kind of a romance about being, you know, scumbags, isn't it? Yeah, and this this first bit is very different to kind of like the rest of the film. The the first bit being like this first encounter, and then them trekking across the desert to get to uh, Deadwood. No, Tombstone. No, Tombstone. <laughs> My mistake. Because <laughs> like I like I said before, like the first scene felt like the most cliche westerny bit. Yeah. Of of the whole film. Um. And it, it does. There's a lot of things in there. Like you, you get your like protagonist, who is you know he's cool and he doesn't mind confrontation, and he can play cards well and he knows how to use a gun. Yeah. Uh, and you know he wants his woman, and then you've got the woman who at 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 first she's kind of portrayed more, kind of like the kind of more like a damsel in distress, where it seems like she's the the weak one and. She's kind of going along with, um, Doc. What? Yeah, with with Doc. And then you know, kind of like later on, you kind of uh, with her, you kind of see her when when she gets into town. You can see she's a lot more confident and she's a lot more happy and she knows people and she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of like start to learn Doc's kind of like motivations. Then that you know he's ill. Uh, he, he might not have long left to live, and that's why he might be living a bit more on the edge because he doesn't really have much to lose if he knows he's going to be dead soon anyway. He's sort of walking a Breaking Bad Walter White type line. Not quite. He's not quite so invested in making a load of money for his family, but he is. He's like he's all in in terms of well, I'm dying, so I don't have that much to lose, sort of thing, isn't it? Mm. I think one of the interesting factors, as you say, is this transition from, oh, like, gritty, fucking, small-time, dust survivally Western with, like, cliches, um, is is interesting. And, I mean, they have literally, they portray him like a prick, but he's got cool one-liners, like, uh, he says, like, oh, if you don't, he's like, to the guy, if he gets the gun on him, <laughs> I think he says, uh, like, hold it, if you don't want two arseholes, one of them between your eyes, you better put that gun away. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I see. <laughs> but they they have a it's very it's very paced it's very quick paced as well because they leave like Doc's gonna leave without this woman and she's like oh well, well hold up fucking take me with you and there's like a change of he has a he says like nah but then has an instant change of heart and then it's like he's they're given a canteen and shit and he pays disrespectfully he pays the Mexican saloon owner. By chucking the the money with a tip on the ground, and the guy's like, "Ah, oh, you fucking dickhead, mate!" And they they go off into the desert, and then it's quite quick. The rapid thing of, "Oh, let's. When can we? It's a long distance journey. When can we drink? Oh, when we see the mountains. Oh, thank Christ, we're there. We see the mountains. Let's have a drink. Oh, holy shit! This canteen is not water. It's vinegar. And actually, at that point." I would have been like, that is, not only have you screwed me out of water, but the, if you put vinegar in my, I fucking hate vinegar so much. 
<laughs> I would I would I'd be like, I'm going to survive this desert. Like Jesus, if it takes forty days, I'm coming out the back of this and I'm gonna be better for it. And I'm gonna fucking hunt down that stupid saloon owner and absolutely flay him alive. There is no That's way I was gonna say you would go back. You wouldn't keep going forward. You would immediately turn around, go back there, and start pouring it into his eyes. The number one thing would be get water to survive, because I will live. <laughs> and then it's back. We're not fuck Tombstone, fuck White Earp, fuck every other deal I've made. That guy's getting killed <laughs> by me slowly. And yeah, I put yeah, I would drown him in vinegar, because fuck you, vinegar. You could put anything in that thing, but vinegar. No, that's the line. Plus, it's fucking awful. It's just like, ah, ah. And it, what I found interesting is the Mexican guy who runs the saloon, the guy's been a bit shit, but he has paid. And you don't know he's going to be a prick about it. So you sort of, he sort of preemptively did Doc for being rude, I guess. But he, he you know, he was disrespectful. But your place was shit, mate. Like, I, but I, I was like, you don't. Don't scam him on the way. Like he'll come back and kill you. Surely that's an op- option. Or maybe this guy murdered. Like there's loads of dead cowboys who've got vinegar in their in their things, and they don't find a puddle to fall into. Just all dead in the desert or whatever. But like we have a bit of camp banter, right? Between you know we establish a relationship between Kate and Doc. Did you guys uh, enjoy their fat bean-based banter and joshing? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it, it, that came very close to home personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and I like as well she was like up for hooking up that night she's like oh yeah I'm a prostitute but I don't know I'm game let's fuck or whatever and he's like no no we got a long got a long journey and she, she's been like oh beans make you fart when they were talking about the food and stuff and he's like look you keep your fucking ass facing the other way because I don't want you blowing us up. Like he's basically he basically jokes about our ass exploding them in the fire or whatever, and then he wants to get to Tombstone so don't fucking kill him with her explosive farts. <laughs> and then they go to sleep and we you know we basically just go right that's that that's enough of that and we end up in Tombstone. But I thought it was like we're developing the relationship. I think actually this film suffers from it being like having to obey the, the history a little bit. I'd rather see like this story of the, the gunslinger and the prostitute who don't care how people judge them. They're on the road together. And you know the idea of him being terminally ill and her coming to terms with it, but also maybe wanting to change her life and things. Like I think that story, having to be, oh yeah, what, the Wyatt Earp family business. <laughs> the OK Corral, we have to do that stuff. You know, it gets in the way. I don't know. I... Yeah, no, I kind of agree because for me, like the strongest part is um, these two characters and their kind of chemistry together and their story. Um, and it, 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 I did kind of feel like uh, th- 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 this is this is what I kind of want to see more of. And I was uh, by the end, I was um, a bit sad. Like I, we didn't see more from. Um, uh, Kate's perspective as well, because we we got we got a touch mm. of it and it, it was quite interesting. Wait, they they spent a lot of time just calling each other bastard and bitch as like pet names, <laughs> like oh you whore, oh you fucking douche canoe, you know, like they're pretty mean to each other. 
and they tease each other. And then also Doc has this kind of uh, exuberant violence towards her. Like a kind of, I think when he decides he wants to be with Kate, he goes into the brothel she's working in while she's having sex, gets the bloke off of her, says, get off your back, bitch, and then takes her topless through the streets, laughing, and just kidnaps her into his happy home, basically. And it's like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? And what the fuck's mm-hmm. wrong with her? But they they seem like they like each other and are happy with this sort of level of aggressive meanness. I don't know how much of it was off the time as well. What should be off the time, the era they were in, or the 70s? Both. I would say. Well, it's like a jovial misogynism. Misogynism. Misogyny? Like a nice double layer of different kinds of misogyny. You girls love it, don't you? You love a bit, you love it rough. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Don't do that. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know. But, uh, you know, things do... We leave their relationship on the back burner a bit when they come into Tombstone. And, you know, it's basically, oh, let's... I think, yeah, Doc gets, like, a hotel or something. And then Wyatt Earp creeps in <laughs> just to give us give us the needless bluff of, like, seeing, oh, look, Doc's ready with his gun in bed. We're going to have a shootout. And Wyatt Earp's just been slowly creeping into the bedroom. And you go... Oh, yeah. What's this about? You couldn't have just knocked? Said hello to your friend in a normal way? No. But, ah, oh, bros. Oh, right, mate. How's it going? You're moustache buddies. Why up the dock <laughs> back together again? Hooray. So you don't really get much of a sense that they actually like each other. They, they imply a history, but there's also the element of the story which suggests... Uh, Wyatt is a bit disappointed with how Doc has changed slightly now that he's been with Kate a bit. Like the the part of the story is how Doc's doing things that scupper Wyatt's plans, and Doc isn't so up for screwing everyone out of their money so directly. He's a bit like where like I think they have a scene in the in one of the saloons when they're gambling or something, or talking, and Wyatt. Uh, I think Doc says like, "Oh, you're making us sound like bad guys with your plan." And then White Earp's like, we are bad guys. And it's like, quite blatantly, we're here to make money. You're my right-hand man and all this shit, you know? So I don't know, White Earp is more villainous, I'd say, than Doc, who is struggling between what he thinks he should do, what he wants to do, and so forth, isn't it? Yeah, there's this sense with Doc that he's he's very sort of... He's trying to make it work at any given point, where he just... He's not happy necessarily, but he's easy working on it. Yeah, because Doc, you know, he's got his cough problem. He's like, uh-uh, like the classic, like I got TB. We just have a few scenes where they cough a bit, and it's a bit awkward and uncomfortable. Like, oh, it's interrupted. That's the thing as well is the coughs come at inopportune times. I think that was true of the man. That's how he, like, that's part of his reputation was oh. He's, would have been handy if he wasn't having a coughing fit now, but okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, but White Earp, he is a marshal at this point in Tombstone, yes? But marshals don't have jurisdiction in the town or some shit, and there's a sheriff who's the real political figure of the town. I think generally in the Wild West, sheriffs were political figures who delegated to marshals and deputies and things. So you'd be more of a desk job for the sheriff, and White Earp would like to be 
in a more predominant position where he's not where he's able to manipulate the town into he basically wants Doc to run the gambling and why uh, they're basically going to become legitimate like runners of the town and sort of skim a little money for themselves out of everything right that's he's sort of a criminal in a way yeah his motivation for wanting to be what political is very clear but he does seem committed to it yeah it's like we don't it's he by running the town more strictly and with i think the idea is he'll use more force than the sheriff and not worry about the law so precisely because the current sheriff is a soft i think the i think it is literally the sheriff's good and fine so therefore there's no money to be made unless you are a bit of a prick about how you run the town but it's like basically he runs as a republican in the in the in the politician uh, in the election to be sheriff that's coming up he's basically for like, there's a problem with too much guns in this town and the best way to solve gun problems is with more guns so we're going to fight guns with guns and that'll show everyone i'm a republican fought for me i'll shoot everyone who we don't like yeah the fight guns with guns was uh not good (laughs) 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 a lesson americans find very hard to learn (laughs) it seems (laughs) far too often um but yeah it's basically hooray gambling and prostitutes and they they have a run in with ike don't they ike's in he says he'll run in like he's the guy from the the you know bet gone wrong at the start, and then Ike's there, and and he's he doesn't have guns on him, and that's part. He's trying to pick fights with people, but he wants to fist fight all the time, and it's like if you don't have guns, you'll get in trouble. They'll shoot you, and it's like no, 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 I'll fucking fight whoever's. Uh, but so Ike's this difficult criminal, and the kids there, and White Earp is already equated with him, and thinks he's a bit of a douchebag anyway. So it's just a coincidence that Doc has run into him as well, isn't it? So he's, but he's the antagonist to the two of them, right? Is Ike and his gang of outlaws who I don't know they steal horses or some shit. But they, they, one of them, Ringo, Ringo's part of the gang, and he robs gold at some point. But basically, they're tolerable criminals and no goods, aren't they? This gang of Ike. So are they called the cowboys or some shit. Anyone? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, they're just called cowboys which again was quite confusing i think there was a gang called cowboys in i think that's what they were called in history this gang and i think i don't know if it's like a nickname or something but ike and the kid and ringo and a few other miscellaneous bad guys are all part of a gang that live out of town and ike is trouble for wyatt he's trouble for doc and he's the main antagonist that's all i'm saying really what do you guys make of ike this uh fucked off man in a really terrible falling apart sweater he it was a little different because like he wasn't like usually at least like the the antagonist is a little bit um you know sinister and threatening and he really wasn't he had legitimate beef a lot of the time hmm I think it was also interesting is Ike knew how to walk the line. So when they introduced this idea that like a stagecoach gets robbed of gold and it, it, one of the affiliates of Ike Ringo has done it, is it, that's the presumption anyway. 
And so Ike is like, oh, for fuck's sake, the law are going to come to us, and we're going to be in trouble. Like, he doesn't want the kind of heat that will get him killed, but he does want to settle things with fights, and he's a, he wants to be a tough guy, and, sh- and sh- like, you know, fight Wyatt Earp, but he doesn't want to maliciously take over the town or, you know, exploit all the peasants or something that a classic cowboy villain would do. He's slightly yeah. sympathetic in that regard. And uh, other than the actual fight he has with Wyatt Earp uh, in the middle of the film, he always he keeps getting his ass handed to him by everyone. Hmm. Yeah, he loses constantly. <laughs> Which is why it's kind of good that when he does, like Wyatt Earp, I think upon confronting Ike about like the gold that's, the stagecoach that's been robbed, Wyatt Earp sort of unbuckles his gun belt to say, "I will fight you then." And then Ike and him have a quite good fight in the dirt. And I think we establish at a at a barbecue that's sort of be like a, a hobnobbing barbecue that the what the Earp family throw earlier, where uh, White Earp comes out and his brothers are just wrestling in the dirt like pigs. <laughs> and it's like for fuck's sake. But they establish <laughs> that the Wyatt aren't you know, sorry, it establishes that the Earp family are used to scrapping in the dirt. And when it comes down to it, they have a good fight. But it is very much Ike that's on top and ends up beating the fuck out of him. And then he gets to, like, lord it over him and then kick him really hard in the balls. And then, luckily, Doc is there to be like, oh, come on, mate, he's lost. Fuck off. Stop smashing him in the dick. (laughs) But so Ike does get that one major victory, you know? Even though he's pretty useless and uh, not the best intimidating villain. Yeah. And this kind of like more pathetic nature that he has gives gives them more sympathy then at the end at the the kind of um climax at the climax of the film because it's like usually it's you know the good guys versus the bad guys uh and you know clearly the bad guys are in the wrong, but like here it was because you've seen him be like so pathetic all the way through the film, you kind of feel sorry for him at the end. When he's just gunned down instantly. Yeah, like he's manning up because he has to, and he's the odds are stacked against him because the law has legitimacy and he doesn't, and so they're kind of on the back foot all the time because they kind of, though Ike is up for a fight, he hasn't picked this fight for himself per se, and he's being manipulated by Wyatt Earp as well. Like it's a, it's a complicated little scheme Wyatt Earp has going by the end of things, but. It, I think it is interesting to have all the characters be in this grey area where they're all mm. sort of they're all kind of pricks as we've already said, isn't it? What did you make of this this idea that no one's really a good character, Abby? I think it's much more true to life. Mm. Even though, from what I understand, it's not especially uh, true to his life. But it is... They just all felt much more normal. And they got across actually how sort of dirty and sweaty the West was as well. Yeah, I think Sergio Leone made it his thing, like having the dirt on the the cowboys and people had lived in. Where you know John Ford was much more like uh, old school and everything looked much more beautiful, even if they did get a bit dirty. Mm. But uh, this is this is celebrating the dirt that uh, the westerns were covered in. If you you know were Italian and <laughs> directing movies, 
But this one, this is definitely about dirtiness and underhanded behaviour. So it suits that everything's real, uh, more grubby, and therefore more grounded. And perhaps the groundedness makes it slightly more boring. Maybe that's a factor as to why it feels a bit like, oh yeah, like it's full of it's cliches mixed with reality, and it doesn't. It's not quite as maybe that's why you do the more entertaining version in the mainstream, because this is like, oh yeah, so people. It's just the polit- everyday politics of grubby figures, isn't it? Mm. Not that I didn't like it. I mean, I just sort of suggesting the idea that it is a little more plain than other westerns. Um, also, we had early on what Earp with the shittest pistol whip I've ever seen. Like he caught <gasps> his extra he... long gun. Was it oh. his gun, or did he take it off the kid? I can't remember now. No, it was Wyatt Earp's extra long gun. <laughs> Compensating for much? Are we Earp? <laughs> we were very excited about his uh, the man with the particularly long gun because <laughs> I'd almost forgotten about it that's why he doesn't use it very well because he cold cocks people with it and it's just it's the worst bad, editing it? yeah it is bad oh yeah speaking of the editing now that you bring it up like it was it was interesting because it was very it was very efficient editing like abrupt like, at times wasn't it yeah it wouldn't like linger too long or a scene and it wouldn't give you transitions it would just be, this scene has made its point, here's the next scene, kind of thing. And that happened quite a lot. I don't know if it was distracting to you. I, I kind of liked it because of, like, it, it did have a, a fairly slow pace otherwise. Um, so it was kind of nice for me having that kind of, like, efficient editing. It's like, okay, the important bit's done here, now we're on to this bit, you know. I did I did like it mostly, but there was one time it confused me a lot. And I think it's after Doc goes and gets Kate and dumps her in a hotel room. And she's like, oh, fucking, what are you doing? And he's like, it's fine, I'm basically keeping you to myself. You're done prostituting. Uh, I'll see you in the morning. And she's like, what? what? Uh, and it's like, it's like oddly gent- gentlemanly to... Give her a room and then fuck off and not have sex with her then and there. I guess she might need to clean off. She's bust, she has been with a client, but um, doesn't seem to matter to him that much. But he goes and he buys her presents and like a dress and things. But the editing there was the door closes, then it opens again, uh, and he comes back in. And you're like, wait, he said see you in the morning, and he's come back instantly. Is he about to have sex? No, it is the morning. This was like a transition of time. It wasn't very clear. He was like, "Huh? Did he like what? What's happening?" I, I felt that one was particularly confusing. Anyway, you know, mm. do you guys remember that? Like, just, I do. Yes. Mm. It was just, uh, but yeah, but generally it aids, aids the pace, doesn't it? If you just, I, there's a, I can't remember what film I was watching the other day, but they had that kind of. That's enough of this scene. We almost don't need to see it anymore because we're going to move on. Oh, it was the film um, The Day of the Jackal has a similar thing where like, you just cut before you finish a scene off because you get where the scene is going. So there'd be things mm. where people would be introduced or, oh, I'll just uh, show you into the Prime Minister. And before the character goes in to meet the Prime Minister, we cut to the next scene because you go, oh yeah, he saw the Prime Minister, told him the thing. We don't need that. We can cut and move on, cut and move on. We, we If you see where the scene is going, we don't need the end of it, so... I could have done it more, actually. Like we could have had it be more, a little more art house if it had 
done that a lot more rather than just suddenly skip along the timeline. I think that actually, in a way, it muddies things because it started the first bit was like, oh, trials and tribulations of the ye olde west, and then it it slows down a bit when we get stuck in the political aspect. But then, I don't know. Good, good and bad, I think, is my take. Cool. Well, so what else happened in this bloody thing? Anyway, the gold thing happens, but we don't get a lot of context for Earp and the boys. I mean, other films focus more on the whole Wyatt Earp and brothers thing, don't they, Abby? Yeah, that's the thing. It was only because I knew that his brothers were important to his story that I surmised that those were his brothers. Like, they're an afterthought, and he talks to them, and they wrestle in the dirt, and they ask him questions from time to time. But I don't. they don't feature heavily in this, do they? No, and I think that uh, one of them is actually quite pivotal to this, because wasn't Virgil the lawman before... I mean, in Tombstone in particular, Virgil was the lawman before Wyatt was. So that would be like a revenge story then, isn't it? It's like the reason why Wyatt Earp would want to kill him is because his brother's been killed and to serve justice. Whereas in this, it's more of a sort of excuse for why he's a hero. Because <laughs> he was avenging his brother. It's like a big... It's all about the political aspect because there's like... We see a bit of it. There's the odd shit speech in the town and it, it focuses a little bit on what the press and the voters might make of things and the political setup for who's going to be the sheriff. But it doesn't hugely focus on that either. It's a little bit just a flavour of everything. And uh, I guess the main story becomes about the stagecoach is robbed. Like a stagecoach taking gold somewhere, a few people are shot, and there's like $80,000 of gold stolen. And this is Ringo. We we don't see this on, on screen... And we don't see Ringo again until possibly the gunfight. I don't know, but it's, it's kind also, of like it's Johnny Ringo. They very specifically keep saying Johnny Ringo. Yeah, good. <laughs> Not Ringo Starr, the uh, voice of Thomas the Tank Engine, of course. <laughs> so if I could, to you know, sum up the goings on with the stagecoach, I would say, off screen. Ringo steals gold off with his presumably some men that are affiliated with Ike. Steal the gold and shoot some uh, stagecoach guys. And then presumably the bank offers a reward of $20,000 to get the guys who stole $80,000 worth of gold. Because uh, it's more about pride than the money. Um, <clears throat> it's more don't fuck with us. Um, and also, uh, people in the West need something to do, don't they? <laughs> Give him $20,000 to go kill people who robbed us. Uh, so there's a $20,000 reward. And I guess if you get the gold back, hooray. But um, Ike doesn't really know where his gang members are half the time. Like, Ringo stole the gold and he doesn't know where he is. And they're all like, where is he? Oh, fuck, he's not here. Like, he doesn't even know if he's back or not. And then I think the kid gets arrested for killing someone in broad daylight for... I guess, drawing on him. And he, the, again, they're like, White Earp's like, he's in jail, we got him. And then he's like, you fucking don't. Like, one of his gang members is like, you liar. And it's like, actually, where is he? Oh, fucking, uh, seriously? Like, all of my guys, I don't know where any of them are, and they're always getting in trouble. <laughs> um, So I like the fact that Ike is that incompetent. <laughs> he doesn't even know what his people are up to. But the, the upshot is, Wyatt 
wants to get Ike to hand over Ringo, like get hold of him and hand him over, and then he'll give him the money for the reward from the bank, and but Wyatt Earp and his brothers or whatever will take credit so that they look good for the mer- for the sheriff election, right? That's the scheme Wyatt Earp wants to enact. It also means he doesn't yeah. have to do any hard work <laughs> to get there. So he's a proper prick in that regard. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent prick. What do you make of this? What I saw a piece that sort of take lampooning Wyatt Earp really rather than Doc. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the things about this where I was like, this we're seeing stuff from the point of view of Doc, but it isn't really about Doc, really. Yeah, it's sort of it I mean it does focus on him a lot, but he takes a side like he becomes the sidekick for a bit, doesn't he? Or the partner in the piece. Mm. And really, we were all seeming like we were more interested in, uh, you know, Stacey Keach and Dunaway calling each other horrible words, having sex, <laughs> having sex really roughly in the dirt. That was the fun bit, you know, the lols and mm. the the put, putting a house together. Because once he once he gets her a new house, it's kind of like, ooh, they're like there's a, like a little bit of character development where he's pissed off because he hasn't seen inside. It's really shit. Oh, there's the funny bit where she he's gonna like take her into the house, and and she instead picks him and up and carries him over the threshold, and he's really embarrassed that people will see. And it's like I was surprised that Faye Dunaway could do that as well. Get a big handful of keech. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's quick to come down, but yeah, I I, I guess he'd be meek as well because he's like <laughs> a little easier. Oh, there we go. It was funny though. I liked the fact that she and then she was cool with how it was shit and unclean. It was like take a couple of hours to clean. You know, like there's a proper like relatable relationship thing where it's like oh, it's a nice. The the scumbags are sort of settling down and making do, living in a. Meh house, like I kind of, I probably related to it a bit. It's like, yeah, shit all, but it's it's our shit all. Like you, you know, you're a man's home is his castle and all that rubbish. And it's funny that my two, two of my preferred roles in Fade Dunaway, like this at Barfly, where she's just sort of making it work in a bit of a shit house with someone who's a bit, it's a bit of a knob, but fundamentally nice underneath. Yeah, it's true. It's a good parallel to Barfly. It's the same sort of, you know. Yeah, I'm just happy to be getting drunk and have a roof over my head. And I wish this corn was uh, <laughs> fresh enough, that's all. <laughs> yep, so it is a shame to be really, you know, fuck Wyatt Earp and his silly plans, but uh, it is about that. It's, I think it's about the pride of Wyatt Earp, as well as the umming and ahhing of what Doc wants to do. Like, he's got one foot in the outlaw, fast, fast shooting, you know semi-lawman legend he wants to be that but he also now is like well I wouldn't mind settling down that is sort of what I would have wanted to do eventually and but I think then he also knows that he can't settle down as well because he's going to die yeah so we do see this story building with Doc but it is you know White Earp gets his ass handed to him and then he wants to work with the guy who's beating him up but he also is, like Ike is aware that Wyatt Earp will want to kill him anyway, even if he does give him the money. Like, he's not like he's not that stupid. He knows this isn't going to end that great, and he knows why it's in it for himself. So there's there's a bit of delaying from Ike, because he's like, what is this guy's deal? What is he up to? Can I trust him? And, you know... It, it, it is more about Wyatt Earp not getting his way, and then Doc complicating things by not being entirely loyal 
to what's going on, isn't it? Like, what's the story with... Uh, the kid gets trained to shoot by Doc, doesn't he? And then ends up in jail from it, basically. What what happens there? Can anyone remember? Yeah, there was uh, an interesting relationship. Um, so, yeah, kind of like... The kid kind of like... Has respect for Doc. And kind of sees him as a bit of a role model. And I suppose Doc kind of like... Both, both kind of like sees himself in him... But also, maybe like a, a surrogate son kind of thing going on as well. Yeah, because like he does, he does um, teach, teach, teach him. He does teach him <laughs> how to how to shoot properly, which then kind of like backfires on him because he ends up shooting like some and guy does, in a bar. Yeah, does, was it some guy or was it one of the one of the brothers? No, it must have been some guy. It, could, it must be the guy because White Earp was fairly, yeah, like nonchalant about it. But then he ends up letting him go, which is bad because there was a plan to to give him back to release him in exchange for the cowboys going along with Wyatt's plan. Yeah, it's just like they've got like in the uh, Wyatt Earp has had uh, some leverage fall in his lap in the form of. Like, the kid blatantly does kill someone, and so they could easily arrest him. And Doc is reluctant. He's like, he sort of draws on Wyatt momentarily, like, oh, this is bollocks. <laughs> like, don't do this. But it's like, well, it's an open and shut thing. And I think the actual sheriff is like, oh, it's fine. Come with me, settle down, everyone. Put your big long gun away. Uh, everyone, chill out. And then this kid, the kid is bailed out by Doc. That's the key bit. And that fucks up, as you said, Anthony, Wyatt's plan to, like, use him to get the cowboys to do what he wants. So this plan to look like a hero is falling apart for Wyatt because Doc is sort of... I don't know, it's just not communicating fully and not sort of doing things that run contrary. But I don't know that it, it creates this move. It doesn't make Doc that compelling. It's just a bit... Why is he doing this? Like, there's a bit of talk about what people's motivations are from the from the press and from Wyatt and things, but I don't know that it's actually clear to me. Like, so Doc, what is he doing? He's the kid's a surrogate. All right. But he's not fully, is he? So, and he, you know, so he, Doc also seems reluctant to, he doesn't like seeing the kid be like, I want to be like you. I want to be a gunslinger. You know, he doesn't seem that thrilled with it, even though he taught him to shoot, as you say. I think like in part of his teaching, he was trying to teach him, to explain that like you don't just shoot someone for the sake of shooting someone you shoot someone because you have a reason to and that your accuracy is better than speed and it's not it's you have to be a good shot not like a cool dude but that kind of you know doc seems to get into situations where he's needlessly having to draw guns i mean you know, you don't really need to have a gunfight or pull a gun on someone to make some sort of arrangement to play cards or can I borrow your prostitute if you're not busy? I mean, once you've had sex with her, is she free? Or, like, I don't know. <laughs> he does seem to cause trouble in a way that he doesn't teach, you know? I don't know. But there's not enough of everything. I, I feel like there's a hint at things, but it's divided between what they're telling the story about. And a lot of the major action is not the focus. It is about 
the characters and what their headspace is rather than what is you know a traditional western would have people rob a stagecoach we'd watch it it would be epic and then people you know say some cool stuff and have a duel not just basically that's the thing in this the duel at the old kill corral a lot of duel really the shootout is literally we're going to take shotguns and murder these guys <laughs> Fuck yeah that was a massacre that was that was a that wasn't a gunfight yeah, I think that part of the thing is Ike and the guys are like, oh, we should spread out. They've brought shotguns. We are fucked, you guys. Well, this was going to be a maybe we will stand up for ourselves kind of deal. And then it becomes very much a, oh, Ike and the gang are like in deep shit here <laughs> uh, because the marshals are turning up and the Wyatt brothers, uh, the Earps are all here and uh, they're not fucking around. <laughs> they're going to get some big spread with these shotguns. This is going to get very sticky. And it does, and it's literally just... And there's not much cause for it as well. They pl- The movie plays it like... White Earp's like, I'm just fucking killing them. And I'm making this a political statement at the end. He literally does a little cod speech saying how he cleaned up the town and it, you know, he's doing... Serving justice and we all know they had it coming. Even though the townsfolk are like, well... I mean... That was a bit much. <laughs> and the fact that... And then the other complication is Doc who is against the kid in the shootout. The kid has not uh, either not shot or not been killed. And then Doc decides to kill him in a kind of mean spirit. Like, I guess he just decides... Like, what does he say? Like, he reminds him of me too much or something. He's like, sort of coldly murders him rather than deal with the fact that he has inspired someone to become a gunslinger. You know, I don't know. What's his beef? Uh, it could be more... Like, Doc is the way he is because he kind of knows, you know, he's he's going to have a short life and he can he can waste it because it's not really going to go anywhere. But when he kind of, like, sees that in someone, someone young who, you know, could live this life that he, you know, kind of wants, like, he could, who could grow old and get married... And have kids and stuff. So I should kill him? <laughs> what? Like you say, he didn't want him to become him. But I, I suppose it's the thing of putting the like if if I was like this as a kid, I turned out quite badly. So if I I should put this bad dog down, isn't it? Rather than like, because the thing to do would be to raise the kid and teach him gunslinging's lame, dude. What it's about is uh, raising a family, but Doc hasn't had that, so I guess it is. It's that sort of thing. It's that like concern that because he's got this dark side, this gunslinging attitude within the kid, and now perhaps a reason for vengeance could brew. It's to sort of put this, kill this kid to stop him becoming a, a monster, perhaps because he, because he's what he would be worried that he was becoming a monster, maybe. But that confirms that he's a prick, so. It's a bit odd. Is that what you mean, Anthony? Like, that he wants to... He doesn't like the fact that he sees himself in him and stuff. Yeah, kind of. But then kind of mixed in with the fact that he's... The kid is is seemingly throwing away the opportunities that Doc can't have. Right, right. So he's sort of... You're seeing a bit more jealousy in it. I don't know. Mm. But, um... 
it you know it ends good in terms of propaganda for Wyatt and the boys. We don't see much after this. The OK Corral shootout, as famous as it is, is done. It was done in real life within thirty seconds. This was pretty curt and quick massacre, as Abby said. Um, and it's sort of like, and they all lived happily ever after as legends of the West, <laughs> heroes who saved Tombstone and took care of business, and will go in all the dime store novels as epic, cool guys. The sheriffs that save Tombstone, you know, like it, it. It doesn't need to explain, and then after that, why it got in a position of power. I mean, I don't know what happened to the real White Earp if he moved on from Tombstone. He definitely did loads of stuff and was on different sides of the law, and had a he had a colourful life. Uh, it, it, you know, fact or fiction, the stuff that was probably true is he was an interesting guy. But the film just leaves it there with, ah, oh, despicable. Um, and also, I think we had a little hint that Wyatt Earp confronts uh, Kate, right? About, you fucking ruin, you ruin things, you shit, no. You bloody ruined everything by bailing out the kid and caused a bloody problem. I used to be my friend, he was cool. I know you're here. He's like a bit of a knob to her. And she's a bit in a huff because she's, I think she has a quite a good scene where she sort of asks Doc to like settle down, leave and settle down with her because she used to love being a prostitute and she loved all the nightlife of it. She didn't care about the morals. Um, and then she's like, I kind of want to just have a kid now and live with you for the last days of your life and stuff. I, w- I want that. I like that. I mean, this is the thing. This in- this is relationship's interesting because of her take on it. Uh, do you guys like the fact that a, a Christian popped round to tell her, "Oi, you should go to church and get married, you 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 slut," you know? I like the part where Kate told her to fucking do one. <laughs> <laughs> Some nosy bitch, and every every like all the women of the town. If you're going to be like a housewife now, and you're not married, you're on our turf doing things. You're showing up. We could all be having assertive lives were free. And you're shaming us with your non-Christian behaviour and your sins and you're enjoying your life, being happy and not going to church to endlessly woe is me. Do you, you were happy with her to tell in these... You, you've, have you been in similar situations where you want to tell uh, door knockers to fucking do one if you think I'm worried about any of this? Well, none of our neighbours have ever been so bold. That's true. Then it would be quite weird now for people to come around and tell you what you should do with your life. I suppose very early on, your mum was a bit, but she gave up on that. She quite. didn't. You know, uh, the odd implication, like you guys, you know, want to get married and be Christians, like I am. And I was like, let's mm. not talk about it. But I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't the same sass from us towards my mum's hinting or about anything. <laughs> I don't know. What do you make of uh, Kate, Anthony? Do you think this was uh, a good story they were trying to tell? It? Do you think it ends satisfactorily, or, or could it leave you wanting more? Or in 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 terms of the whole story, or in terms of Kate's story? Just Kate's story, because I feel like she was partly forgotten about right at the end here. Yeah, I, I I feel I do feel the same way because there was a lot more focus on her and her relationship with um, Doc Holliday, and those were my favourite moments in the film. Like I said before, and I do wish there was 
honestly, I kind of wish that the the whole film was just centered around those two and like the whole okay corral thing was like happening in the background, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And one of the things that happens that's kind of a non moment is uh I guess Doc gets a bit scared off because I guess being confronted with the fact that this harrowing idea of that she wants to settle down and just live with him so she's reminded him that he's dying and he's aware of it and she's aware of it but it must play on your mind but it drives him out of the house he kind of doesn't want to like he sort of says I partly want to be with you I partly have something else in my I just I want more that I'm conflicted and then he goes out and the next thing he's in like an opium den and I think like she causes a fire by being angry with him and like some sheet catches up or something. But there's like a whole fire and an argument. And it's almost like shades of uh, what did we do the other well one of the westerns we've done before was uh McCaw uh what's it fucking called? But Miss McCarpe and Miss Miller McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Mrs. Miller. McCabe and Miss Mrs. Miller. It had like shades of that where opium dens and sadness and death and like a relationship that could have worked in their case a business one but in this one a potentially scummy loving relationship is is sort of bailed on by doc i that's that's more potent and i it's sort of like well we you know can we resolve this isn't it like you say Anthony, maybe we can the okay corral thing can be incidental then and we see how it affects their relationship because i presume they were together for a bit longer I don't know if she's a real like person from history that they've elaborated on, or if it's you know I don't know the details, but that seemed like the the story it wanted to tell initially, didn't it? Mm. But I don't know. What do you guys like? Like overall, the the kind of uh, story was about Wyatt Earp being a bit gun gun ho. Is that is that for gung ho for guns? Gun. Uh, Gun, gun. He was gung ho, gun, 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 gun ho, <laughs> gun, gun, gun ho. It just sounds like a Japanese transformer. Um, why Earth being like a gun-toting, political, manipulating, gambling prick uh, who wants to get Doc up to his bad old ways? I think it's interesting to do the two of them, but I, like you know. I think I think I liked it. I watched it twice, and I think the second time I got more of the psychology behind the characters, and I think it helps if you already have seen a western where they're portrayed as good guys. It works as a contrast on its own. Mm. It's just some pricks, <laughs> like some pricks. The movie. What do you think of that? And it's like, oh, they were pricks. But with the context of him being them being heroes, usually it's a bit more interesting. That's true. Actually, I didn't, I didn't think about that. You do, you do kind of need the context that they're supposed to be heroic figures for it to have an impact. Yeah, but without that, if it's just a, a story, then it's just mm. some mean characters go about some stuff. It doesn't have like stories, uh, say something like Johnny Guitar or some of the more classic westerns that are about heroes and villains and who's on the right side of the law, where anti-heroes are potentially the ones in the right and injustice happens because of selfish people you you kind of have these you can have a melodramatic arc that makes sense and is a deliberate story of the 
the bad guys being the good guys and the good guys being the bad guys and it crossing over and the gray gray areas being important and but this one it, it it only can work as a companion piece to other versions of the story which it doesn't necessarily presume you've seen it certainly because it was made before tombstone it didn't have that in mind i don't know maybe if you've read the stories i don't know like does it work oh, on they, its own they would, they would have been other films yeah, um, yeah no of course and books you know as mm. well yeah i don't know like yeah it's just but they, you know, it's not like you can watch two films, you buy buy the DVD and then watch this and another one. I guess if you was with a box set, the various takes on Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, the box set would be good. I don't know. I, I guess we're on final thoughts because my mine is that it it works as a gritty, dirty thing, but it helps as a comparison. And I like, I'd, I'd like the saucy, dirty, mean relationship between Dunaway and, and Keach. I think they were the best part of it. Like they were they enjoyed them the most and found them relatable, and I liked how real the Western tried to be, while still being kind of cool and you know cliched in other ways. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much um, in the same boat as you. I there were moments where I was finding it a bit dull, um, but then I, I kind of feel like that's kind of a staple of a seventies. American Western film where, like, you know, they've already had, like, decades of kind of, like, over-the-top uh, action Westerns, and they have to kind of, like, subvert it somehow at this point. Um, and I, I think I respect it more than I like it. I never thought about it until you brought it up, but you're, you're kind of right. It kind of, it needs to be a companion <clears throat> piece to the actual myth, if you know what I mean, for you to truly kind of like get out of it everything that it it wants you to. Yeah. Which is a bit awkward, but not to say it doesn't work in and of itself, but its its true potential is only unlocked by knowing what it's subverting. Mm. And this is the early seventies is the end of the sort of golden era of spaghetti westerns. Like people's tastes are moving on, the general trend is away from westerns, and they're becoming less bankable. Um, so we are. It's less in vogue to make this kind of movie at that time. So it's mm. probably the last last hurrah of this sort of thing before people move on to other types of. Like things, I don't know. But westerns keep coming back time and time again with hot new takes, or revisiting ideas, or just uh, doing yeah. old ideas and, in a new way. And they always will, because, like I said at the beginning, it's kind of it's the American myth, is the old west, isn't it? That's they don't have as much history as kind of like the rest of the world. So this is their yeah, this is their, gr- their this stories. is like. The Western stories and these legends like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday are to the Americans what the the Greek gods are to uh, the Greeks and the Romans and and what um, it's like just it, that is the original sort of heroes and legends and myths of that country. It's like America, modern USA was like forged in this time period and after it, and so they're always going to return to this idea. 
um, because no. it, it's their, like you say, it's their mythology, it's their culture, and why not? Is they're good fun, always interesting. Abby, you picked Doc. You found yeah. it. You found it. You know, uh, you just you were discovering it for the first time for the podcast. So uh, it's really right that you, you know, f- fill us in on how it went for you. It could have done more, but then what it did do, I liked. So it's hard to say i think they either needed to commit to doing it mostly about their relationship and tangentially about white up and the okay corral or to have her tangential to white up and the okay corral this weird 50 50 business they did just didn't really work i i would like more of doc's story you call it doc at least go back to how he goes from being an adolescent to becoming a dentist falling out of it could do do him justice. Don't just do the OK Corral stuff again. Do a bigger movie about him. Like let's find out how he becomes this grubby gambling misogynist. You know, like let's find out, isn't it? And that's the thing: his life was so short. You probably could do it in one film. Yeah, you could put. Like I think he got TB from caring for his mum, who got TB. So. That could play in. That you could even tell a bit of a story about his relationship with his mother. I mean, you may as well have fun with it because this stuff always gets reimagined. So it's not like you there's any story you have to be true to. It's options, isn't it? I think there is there is scope for more, perhaps. So maybe you you're right in that there could have been more generally. And that uh, the director and the editor really needed to have a proper sit down and a think. Maybe just a stunt coordinator or whatever who can choreograph uh, a gun, uh, like someone doing a pistol whip properly because it looked terrible. <laughs> it really, like, the whole film's going fairly realistically and then it's like terrible edited cold cock with a gun. And I was like, what? But yeah, no, like minor, minor tweaks could have improved it, but generally it's got enough good, right? It's like a solid thing that only mildly disappoints, but it, it you know, it, Doc, you know, it's a it's an unsung interesting western. I don't think many people talk about it, and mm. it, it does bring a lot to the table in terms of alternate telling of classic stories, isn't it? Or how to do realistic interpretations of silly myths, mm. or, or half truths, or whatever. Funny that a dying man is called Doc as well. The irony is not lost. <laughs> oh, poor pe- R.I.P. people who died of TB. <laughs> Bummer. Sorry, guys. Try, try and stay dry and warm next time if you get another go at it. So I'm giving advice to people who've died of TB. That doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. An odd move. It was an odd move. I mean, it was nice for you, but it was an odd move. Yeah. Anyway, we're all going to go and uh, find the most willing woman in a brothel or man and uh, hike them out of bed and take them to a better life in a shitty hovel and uh, maybe do the podcast with them next time. That'd be fun. Prostitutes all round. Hooray! Everyone clink their prostitutes. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it, misogyny is fun though isn't it <laughs> it's more entertaining than everyone being lovely and woke and respecting each other there's no drama in that 
and everyone behaved appropriately and to the letter of the law, and the town was a utopia, and we all lived boringly all the time. Anyway, guys, time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm waving my really long gun. Bye, everyone. Don't shoot me. Uh... The sound of a man badly gun-butting another. Ow! Damn you, Sheriff! I'll see you in hell, boy. Do you want another arsehole, you prick? Bang! <laughs> <laughs> shit between your eyes.